from Australia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Today, we've got Mark Harrell. He's a business broker in Perth and a friend of mine. And I'm looking forward to diving into the business brokering world with him. G'day, Mark. How are you? Good, Mitch, and hope you're all well. It's crazy times, so we, we do the best we can in home offices or isolated offices, but I think we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So I suppose tell the listeners a bit about yourself and what you do and, and that side of yeah. it. For sure. So my background was originally in economics and business intelligence. So I was very focused on quantifying businesses, analyzing businesses, and through that data, trying to improve businesses. And then naturally, um, that led to me wanting to run my own business. So I did a number of startups, mainly in the tech space. So network security, that was something I was interested in, cybersecurity. Ended up listing one of those businesses. So that was a, an achievement. But During that listing process, I also learned a lot about capital raising, how to position your business for investment or how to even to position your business to sell. And then that organically led me after I um, listed, I took a few months off, cleared my head and then jumped back into corporate advisory and business brokering. And something I enjoy is I can um, look at all different types of businesses apply some of the skills and experience that I've had to that business and position them in the best light to get the best return for the owner. Beautiful, beautiful. So on that side of things, so you listed the business. How was your experience with that? Yeah, I think that the greatest skill set I can now give other businesses wanting to list is learn from some of the mistakes I made. There's a, and when it comes to capital raising, you will not be the smartest person in the room. And there's people that are miles ahead of you in that game of how you know structuring deals work. Uh, you pay this back, you get this back, that escalates to this, that turns to that. And, and we raised money in Australia and the US and, and in New York, there's another world of how they can oh. structure a deal. Yeah, that would be next level. That would, yeah, there were the big boys over there. And there's a little bit of shock and awe as well. Like you're just this guy from Perth and then you're standing in a building, you know, like 50 flights up looking over New York and you're trying to pitch your business to a panel of like eight people staring you down. It's a, yeah, Yeah. it was fun. It was fun though. And so I think those skills are what I bring to the table for a company wanting to raise money or wanting to exit and then to a lesser degree that, that applies to the business brokering because you are still trying to sell and position a business. Yeah, yeah, true. I suppose from a business broking side of things, it's rather than just getting investors that will own a portion, it's more selling the whole thing. So they'll own 100%. A complete right. sale, correct. And yeah, complete sale. So, it's interesting though, Mitch, that even though it's a, a complete sale and you're not trying to list on a stock market or trying to bring a shareholder in, the fundamentals still apply. Whether if it's a $200,000 pool cleaning business or if you are doing a $120 million listing, mm. the fundamentals are still the same. Like you've got to have good yeah. Yeah. businesses. Yeah, true, true. You've got to have good business, good product. And then, yeah, I suppose it's just the shareholder number goes up. So That's right. It's a few more zeros. Complicated. And, and, and it's more like herding cats rather than herding one big cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the, like, dealing with, I assume you listed on the ASX? Yes. Yep. Yeah. How was that process? I've never personally done it, so I'm just... Yeah, it's obviously 
lots of companies have listed on the ASX, right? So there's a tried and tested path of how to list on the ASX. It comes down to just a truckload of compliance. Mm -hmm. And what's also quite interesting is there's a lot of people along the process who offer particular services. So you might have this big piece of salami at the start, but as you keep slicing all the slices off along the way, everyone gets fed. So it's mainly compliance. It's a huge compliance task and it's obviously full and continuing disclosure. Yeah, which makes sense. Is there, I suppose, a portion of your experience with it where companies would take on, say, a shareholding percentage for assisting or is it more? Oh, yeah. yeah, very common. And the reason that's common is in a lot of the startups, and although the, the barrier now to list is higher, as in you actually have to raise more money now than spend $5 million. at the mm-hmm. time, those companies, it was the next step for them to get that cash injection that they needed. So a lot of them weren't sitting on truckloads of cash. So a lot of the way you get things done are with like facilitation shares. People will do fee-for-service and have options converted to equity, even employee incentive option programs. So as you bring on more people, you might not be able to, like say I brought you on as the CFO, Mitch, I, I couldn't afford your extraordinary salaries at the start. So I would give you, I can pay you this much, and I'll give you options in the company. So you do end up handing out a lot of equity, mainly because you may not be have those cash reserves to fund everything as you need to at that time. Yeah, and that makes sense. And, I mean, obviously providing it's a valid, decent company and stuff. From the other side, I mean, if you're kind of getting the shares pretty cheap, you potentially could make a decent capital gain along the way as well. Yeah, and there's also a risk there as well. When you hand out these shares and these options, normally you've got to be quite careful in how you value a business up front just so that it's not overvalued and then there's no, there's no win for anyone else once it hits the exchange. But also if you're handing out bucket loads of shares and options at, at one cent as an example and the, the thing's 20 cents, you're going to have a lot of downward pressure on that stock because people are happy to sell at 10 or eight or seven and still make seven times, eight times. So, yeah, Yeah. it's interesting. You just have to have good advice and good support if you're going down that path. Yep, yep. That's interesting. Yeah, as I said, I've never – I haven't listed anything as yet. I think it would be an interesting experiment (laughs) to to be honest. (laughs) But You don't do it too many times. (laughs) There's a lot of stress. (laughs) So what would – I suppose your big learning things, you said for people to learn from your mistakes, what do we sort of – So even to bring it back more towards the business brokering side, even as well, you know, like even when, even if you're running your own business and you see an offer, that old phrase, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is, you know, you know, a pitfall there. So you've just got to think realistically, what is my business worth? Realistically, what would someone want to pay for this? business and also acknowledge that people will pay, certainly in the world of business brokering, people will pay for what the business has done. I hear a lot of times like people say to me, oh, if a young person purchased this business, they could do this, this, this and this and the sky's the limit. Well, cool. And they'll probably buy that because they do believe that, but you're not going to get any value for what you could have done, you know? So people say, look, if you grew this business, it could be worth Two million dollars, yeah, but it's not now. Yeah, and that's what exactly like you haven't so, done the legwork for that two mil from what you're saying. So it's, it's clearly not worth it. 
Yeah. That's right. And it's just, um, so you've got to be realistic where your business is. And a lot of people, and especially with what's happened at the moment, has been a great opportunity if you own a business. And it sounds a bit strange, but businesses that we've had just about to list who have just or have recently listed have used this time to do things like, you know, sort their leases out sort their employee agreements out. If the place needed a lick of paint, do that. Get your accounts organised, your stock. You've got to be organised because if someone, and go back, I was talking about a $100 million listing, but whoever buys a $250,000 business, in most likelihood, that $250,000 to the buyer is all they've got. Yeah. So they're putting their eggs all in this one basket. So they will do due diligence and they will check just as hard as you do perhaps on a, an ASX listing. So don't try and hide anything or don't fudge anything because that does come out. It does. And that's never a good look. Like if no. you just up front and go, look, there's whatever it is, is there. It's not a huge issue, but it's you know, this is what's happening. I would assume from a buyer point of view, they'll go, okay, sweet. You know, they've been truthful. We can sort of wear it from there. But if you hide that and they find it, oh, that's not going to go down well. And if there's a, I mean, and like Luke, me back into your world a bit, communication with your accountant as a business owner is key there. Like have the accounts set up properly, right? Have everything transparent and detailed so that when someone does look through it, they understand, they logically can work their way through it. They understand the numbers. I mean, I've had businesses where they've combined multiple businesses into the one P&L and then they highlight things and go, you got a minus something there. And it may all be true and honest, et cetera, but to the buyer that puts doubt in their mind and then they start to get a bit edgy and, and who knows. And it's, it's not the easiest way. Like if, for argument's sake, you did have a business and it had a, a couple of businesses trading out of the same legal entity, you know, there's no reason you couldn't have a split profit and loss departmentalized and you can have a consolidated one as well. But, you know, you should be able to identify, okay, the Mandra branch is making X amount, the Rockingham's this amount. And not only from a sales point of view, like from a management point of view, and that's what I've said to people quite consistently over the time that have either done it previously through previous accounts or try and do it is, well, how do you know you're making money? You know, the Mandra branch might make 300000 in profit, for argument's sake, and the Perth branch might lose two hundred grand. So all you see is a hundred grand profit and you go, oh, yeah, cool. But, you know, you've lost two hundred grand in the Perth one and, you know, is that's when you'll go, what's going wrong there? Is it a, you know, is it the growth phase? So we're investing more, whatever. But if you don't have it separate, you're never going to know. You just see the bottom line. So even for... Yeah. Not selling it, I just think that's imperative if you are going to have multiple through the same legal entity. It's just good practice. And then being able to, any potential buyer, being able to readily make the figures available, the stock available, the balance sheet available. You're trying when selling your business to have as few amounts as barriers as possible, right? You want the buyer to look at it and if they need information, if I can just flick it out straight away, it makes the process easier, but also it lets you build momentum. You can keep in touch with the buyer and you can say, look, here are the numbers you requested. As you can see, all in order, it's showing profit here, blah, blah, blah. But here's the stock, here's the asset. So if you just bang, 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 being able to reply, it creates a picture of this business knows what it's doing. It's well organized. It's well run. Another tick on the compliance box. 100%. And you'd also, 
from a buyer point of view, you would trust it more because they clearly already have their ducks in a row. They know what they're doing. They're not like, oh, I'll get back to you. And then a month later they get back and you go, well, that doesn't look right. And then, yeah, it it goes cold and you just move on. You know, other opportunities will arise and... And if there is a weakness or if there is an area where there's a perceived problem, I always highlight it early on in the discussions with the buyer. Just get on the front foot, address the elephant in the room, whatever it is. You know, it might be there's a truckload of employee benefits still owed or, you know, they've accrued Joe's annual service for like the last 40 years or anything like that. Just get on the front foot and go, look, the owners are happy to negotiate on this. We can work this out. It's when people discover things, it's that aha moment, then you're in trouble. Yeah. And then even from that, it puts doubt in their mind. You've been hiding stuff. What else have you been hiding? Even if you're hiding anything else, but they'll instantly think, well, I found this. What else is there? And they could even use it from a negotiating point of view of, you know, pushing the price down further. Because certainly not going to push it up, is it? No, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that obviously is very important from a sales point of view and also just normal operations you need to you need to be able to know another really common thing which kills the value of a business is cash not going through the books right so i understand that it's a reality in the world that some businesses have a cash component and their fpos machine may not have worked a particular day but i can tell you i have never seen an occasion where the cash component of the business was realized even a fraction of the amount in the sale price. So if someone has put $100,000 cash through that business, you will get nowhere near that when it comes to actually selling because A, people don't believe it. B, people are sceptical of how the business is run if there's that much cash. And there's a fear of the ATO, quite naturally, that they're going to come knocking on your door. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's obviously from a compliance point of view, They're supposed to put it all through the books, but the reality is people take cash, they don't report it through the books. And to all the people that do that, yeah, you're getting a a legal benefit now because you're not paying tax on it. But ultimately, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot because the sales aren't going to be there. So if you want to go sell it, you know, if you're taking a thousand bucks a week out in cash for argument's sake, that means your sales are down 52 grand to what they should be, not only to do with the ATO risks, but you know, no buyer is going to look at it and go, okay, well, this is what the financials say. This is what the tax return says. And then you reckon you've taken another 50 grand mm-hmm. cash. Let's add that on top. That's not how it works. So Correct. that money's just lost money, exclude from thing, assume it never happened. What does the yeah. actual lodgement state is the sales? And, and then they work off of that. And you'll also, because we run off the way we value businesses, in a lot of ways, it's a multiplier of net profit. So you're not hurting yourself just on the one year's worth of fudging the books. If your business is valued at a three times net multiplier of net profit, as an example, you've hurt yourself threefold. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if it's 50 grand you've taken, it's hurt 150. That's right. Yeah, for the saving of 30%, say 15000 in tax, you've yep. just cost yourself 150000 Yeah, so it's, um, it's one of those real short-sighted ways people run business. And when, if you're thinking of selling your business and you do have a, a large cash component, just as you're prepping your business to sell, you've got to start running things. You have to run them through the books. You just won't get the value and you're I, breaking the law. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, I mean, that's the main one is you're breaking the law, but... 
the reality is most people, you know, do that risk. But if you say, look, if you do keep doing this, you're not going to make 150 grand at the end of it on the sale, then people will think twice. And I would even be inclined, I mean, this is just my personal one on it, so um, let me know your thoughts. But if, say, there's a business that is doing a lot of cash, for whatever reason, could be a kebab place, it could be whatever, it could just be a high cash industry. When you do the sales, obviously put it through the till, et cetera, get the money, bank the money, and then when you do buy stuff, do it all through the bank because that way... Yeah, the till says you did X sales, you've got the cash, you can prove that cash has then entered the bank, which will match the sales. So it just adds another level of accuracy and trust or something mm-hmm. in that cash. Yeah. Because we all know that, you know, software in theory can put anything through it. So if you had it, yeah. you could put cash through the roof in that till, but if you don't deposit it or anything, it's you're relying purely on that till. So That's right. yeah, if you're depositing it, it gives that till that cash takings a substantiated, here's the money. So I mean, if you think I, about restaurant businesses as an example or, or, you know, like food or things like that, if you've got a large cash amount going through there, but you've still got to purchase the stock to produce that meal, right? So even then, on the actual figures, your margins look terrible as well. You look like 100 grand's worth of revenue, you've got $70,000 worth of stock, you know, yeah, that you've had to purchase to make the meals. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense. You're, yeah, it shoots yourself in the foot. So it hurts on so many levels and it just keeps hurting as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So to all the listeners out there, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Or if you plan on selling your business, get your stuff sorted before you sell it. Exactly. At least a couple of years because they'll want to see a couple of years of right. trading and stuff to sell it. So Yeah, we don't want to see 100 grand and then a month ago bounce up to like 150, then 200, 250 because that also causes alarm bells. That looks very sus. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) 